Welcome to another episode of the View from the Bridge podcast by Football.London. Transfer season has officially started for Chelsea. It's been a busy couple of weeks when we've uh, been away uh, from your ears, I guess. And uh, I guess before moving on to anything else, we'll say hello to Bobby Vincent, who's had a brief little holiday. How are you doing, Bobby? How was the holiday? Yeah, holiday was great. Thank you. Um, yeah, back now. I. I was wanting Chelsea to get a lot of deals done while I was away, so it, it would make life easier for me when I got back. And to be fair, they, they they did get quite a bit done, so that's always good. But there's still still so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was definitely noted. Um, I of course am Scott Trotter, and I've been holding down the fort while Bobby has been away. But definitely no shortage of things to talk about at the minute for Chelsea, as I noted. Transfer season is well underway. We've obviously talked so much in recent weeks and months about how many players Chelsea have had to sell. Frank Lampard obviously noted before he left about the number of disillusioned players. We've had too many players to fit in Premier League squads, too many players to fit in Champions League squads, and now we're starting to see those numbers cut down. Um, I guess Chelsea have Seem to only be in negotiation with Saudi Arabian teams into Milan and AC Milan at the minute, but um, they have made some moves in the Premier League as well. Uh, so obviously to the Saudi Pro League, we've seen Edouard Mendy, Kaladu Kubali, Angola Kante, head Hakim Ziyech meant to be heading that way shortly as well. But in more recent days, the big money transfers, Chelsea bringing in close to £100 million for Matteo Kovacic in Kai Havertz from Manchester City and Arsenal. Bobby, what is the best deal they've done so far? Uh, I think... I think money-wise, probably Kai Havertz to get sort of 65 mil when they paid 70-odd million for him um, three years ago now. That probably represents it money-wise because... Well, let's be honest, Havertz hasn't, didn't really do it at Chelsea. He obviously scored some crucially important goals um, and, will, you know, he'll be in the club's history forever. But he did fail to live up to the hype around him when he was signed from Bayer Leverkusen. And I think £65 million for a player with, you know, two years after this contract, um, still no clear position at the club. Like, we, did, we're no, we were no closer to seeing whether he plays best as a striker or he plays best behind a striker. Um, I think it probably is good money, 65 million. And the only, you know, slight concern about that is, is Arsenal who are getting him and you know, they're Chelsea's rivals anyway because of the location. But we saw Arsenal last year challenge for the title and that, that's obviously what Chelsea are going to be wanting to do in the next few years. So sending them to a direct rival perhaps could come back to bite them. But, I think when when you get offered that sort of money for a player who, like I said, hasn't done it, then I I think that does represent good business. I'm I'm very on the fence about the move, as in I, I it's a bit of a I sound a bit like a broken record now, but I, there's definitely a really good player inside Havertz somewhere, and I think all Chelsea fans were just waiting for the day for him to sort of explode and become that 71 million pound player, but we didn't get that during his days at Stamford Bridge. And the only concern is working under, you know, Mikel Arteta in a very good Arsenal squad with some very good players that we might see the best of Kai Havertz at Arsenal. And 65 million could end up looking like a very, you know, good deal for Arsenal. Um, 
but to be fair with, with the other um, departures as well, I think it's been good business for Chelsea. Edouard Mendy, we're, we're thinking about 16 million for him. I, um, you know, he was essentially Chelsea's second choice goalkeeper. A couple of years after his contracts, I think wrong side of 30 now. So to get, you know, 16 million for him is good. Um, I'm just trying to think that Kante, obviously, on a free, that's, you know, Chelsea tried to negotiate with him and didn't get there for whatever reason. But, you know, he, his best days were are behind him. And as much as a lot of Chelsea fans would have liked him to stay, I think maybe it was time for him to go. It's just a shame it's on a free transfer for someone that good. And Koulibaly didn't really work out. I, I thought he might have got another season, maybe. But, you know, when a Saudi club comes calling and they're offering you that much money, it's difficult to say no. And I see a lot of these players get a lot of criticism on um, social media for choosing the money over football. But if you're in their shoes, you might do, you might well do the same. And Koulibaly did come out, I think, yesterday and spoke to a... Um, some media in Saudi Arabia and basically admitted that it was for the money. And I think it was nice to see really. It was very honest and, you know, he he didn't lie about, you know, having a long term relationship with the Saudi pro league. Um, Yeah. And Matteo Kovacic again, it's a bit similar to Havertz is in, it's not great that it's to a Premier League rival, but last year of his contract, 25 million pounds, for a player who had a pretty ordinary season, I thought, for Chelsea last year. Um, I don't think it represents bad business at all. So I think Chelsea will be happy that they've got, you know, altogether almost £150 million for all these players. And it's very early on in the transfer window and there's still so many to go out. So I think I think the club will be happy with that. Yeah, definitely. And I think with... You know, we, we, looking at Kovacic and Havertz, who have went to Premier League rivals, albeit teams that finished considerably higher than Chelsea last season. I think there's that sense where just because it could be a good move for Manchester City and Arsenal, it doesn't mean it's a bad move for Chelsea. I think, like you say, 65 million is outstanding business for Chelsea for Havertz, given, you know, his stock has maybe dropped a little bit in his time at Chelsea and they've nearly made their money back. He only had two years left on his contract. And, you know, Chelsea are in the position now where when people get to the final two years of the contracts, they want to either negotiate an extension or or part ways. And I think particularly that deal is probably, you know, best for all parties at the moment. And Kovacic, I think... Frustrating in that I feel like he'll probably absolutely thrive at Manchester City without the, you know, defensive responsibilities he, he might have not been so good at at Chelsea. I think he, he's really going to look a good player under Pep Guardiola. And I think he spoke about, you know, having more to learn as a, as a midfielder and player under him as well. And I think that'll be really interesting to see how that pans out, albeit maybe to, to Chelsea's, um, you know, negative effect for Chelsea. Um, but as, as you know, it, it, it's good money. Chelsea kind of continue this record of, of being good sellers over the last decade. I think a few people might consider that they have had difficulty selling some players who they maybe keep at the club too long. Uh, I guess what what could pan out with Lukaku, um, 
Bakayoko obviously went out on loan many, many times before they parted, whereas this summer uh, at the end of his contract. And there's a few more examples like that. But ultimately, Chelsea have supported their FFP stuff by, by being able to sell players for good money. And that has often perhaps been homegrown players rather than the big money signings, the likes of Kepa, who they've obviously struggled to sell as well. So it's still a big challenge there. And I guess we move on from there to speak about who who could depart next um i mentioned ziek as one player who, who does look set to be on the way but we've seen with him before that you know he can be in a different place in a, a different city maybe paperwork sent through and deals can still not go through for him so nobody will be counting any chickens there yet but one, we have been expecting Ruben Loftus-Cheek wave goodbye at the Stamford Bridge crowd on the final day of the season against Newcastle. There'd been a little bit of uncertainty with some change in the Milan hierarchy, but that deal seems set to set to go through once again. He has been in Milan today, I think, Bobby. What, what is the latest there? And yeah, just a few words on that move as well. Yeah, he's in. he should be in Milan by now. Um to complete a medical at AC Milan and join them for about 18 million, I think it will eventually get to. I think it's 15 million and then some add-ons. Um, yeah, he's you know he's been at Chelsea for almost 20 years um, since the age of eight, and you can see how emotional he was on the final day of the season, as you just noted, and. We, we spoke to each other in the press box at the time and we, we said that looked like a farewell. And, you know, over a month on, it's proved to be that Milan have been sort of linked to him for the last couple of windows, I think, and they've always sort of been watching him. And they've got quite close to signing him and agreeing a deal, you know, about a month ago, I'd say, um, just after the season finished. We reported on it um, that they were quite close to agreeing a deal. But then... A lot happened with the club. I think Maldini left. Uh, he was high up on their board. And things got a bit complicated. Sold at the time, there was nothing to worry about. But then when you didn't hear anything for three or four weeks and you start to think, like, what's happened there? They dropped the interest. But then it sort of rekindled start of this week. And, yeah, we, I was told that that was always their plan. It was just getting some things sorted behind the scenes before they could actually you know, reopen talks and by all accounts, talks have gone really well this week and Chelsea and Milan agreed quite swiftly, it seems, to the deal. That'll see Loftus-Cheek go there on, a, I think it was a four-year contract. Might be wrong there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's the right time for Loftus-Cheek to go. I saw a tweet that I agreed with. Um, I don't know who from, but because a lot of people were saying, including myself, I think I wrote a piece on it not that long ago, about Loftus-Cheek, sort of what could have been if it wasn't for his Achilles injury. But I think that might almost be a bit unfair because of what he's been a fantastic servant to Chelsea. I'm not saying by by any means he's lived up to his expectations from how, you know, how promising he was as a youngster. But he has been, you know, he's over 150 Premier League appearances for Chelsea. He's won pretty much everything there is to win, I think. So... He's had a fantastic career at Chelsea, and at 27, like he's been around for so long. But at 27, he's still fairly young. He's still theoretically got his best years ahead of him. And I think if he can stay fit in Italy, playing alongside Fikayo Tomori, of course, um, Olivier Giroud, who is with at Chelsea, then 
I, I think he'll do really well in Italy. I think it's a really good move for him. Milan's obviously a lovely city for him to move to. Um, be a different culture, new new lifestyle, and you know, really exciting challenge. I think so. Yeah, please for Loftus Cheek. I think it makes sense for Chelsea and the player to sort of part ways now. Yeah, I, th- I think the point you made as well about his Chelsea career being a success is, is a good one. Uh, the, the club have probably been spoiled by the talents they have brought through in recent years, the likes of Ian Mount and James and, you know, a whole plethora through through Cobham uh, recently and much to the good work of the likes of, obviously, uh, Neil Bath. Uh, many um, congratulations. But Loftus-Cheek, I guess, was the... I think maybe the first player to truly break through after... Uh, after John Terry and really cement himself in the team, obviously he had some loan periods away. Um, so yeah, fantastic career. And, you know, he can still go on to achieve w- with Milan perhaps. And I think we'll stick uh, with Milan and something we were just talking about before we came on Christian Pulisic, possible destination for him. And, you know, the, I guess, last winger Chelsea might look to part ways with before, you know, establishing this new group. Yeah, Pulisic, you know, he barely had a sniff last season, really, and wants to leave. Um, Chelsea, you know, feelings mutual, they're open to letting him go. And you think this summer with, you know, 12 months left in his contract probably is the time for him to leave. We've spoke about it for the last couple of windows, but it does feel like very much this summer is the time that he will leave Stamford Bridge. And yeah, Milan, interested in him. There's there's no way near as... um, advances off his cheeks but I, I think talks have started in recent days I, I only heard about it this morning I think a few other um, journalists have reported on that in recent days but yeah Milan talking to Chelsea about Pulisic and the possible move um, yeah he's just another one who like we, we spoke about with these players already just hasn't lived up to you know the price tag I think it was close to 60 million or something when they signed him Chelsea signed him from Dortmund and I mean you know, the year left of his contract, Chelsea will be getting a very small portion of that back, probably looking around 20 million, something like that, if they can agree a few with Milan. And he, he's just, a, he's very frustrating on Pulisic because we, we obviously saw how good he was, especially behind closed doors. Um, his, you know, his talent really shone through there and we see how how he represents his country every time he's in the national break, obviously playing lesser teams then, but he still, you know, he still shows his talent and it's definitely there. It just hasn't worked for him at Chelsea. But again, I think he's 24, still very young, still has his best years ahead of him. And I think he will still have a good career elsewhere. I just don't think it was meant to be at Chelsea. And it's a shame because, you know, we, we always want to see a um, player do well for for the club, but it doesn't always work like that. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, and I think... It seems like Chelsea almost need to set up a, a direct transfer from Stamford Bridge to Milan as well, because not not to AC Milan, but Trevor Chalaber um, was in holiday in, in Italy recently. And I guess for, for that one, when is a holiday not a holiday and when's a holiday maybe a meeting over a transfer? Yeah, it seemed very um, coincidental that it was just a random holiday uh, sort of thing. And we were told about, you know, Inter and Chelsea having talks over it and Inter wanting, wanting to sign him on loan um, with an obligation to buy and Chelsea wanting a buyback clause and that proving to be the stumbling block. And 
I was on holiday at the time. I got a text from um, someone who uh, in, in, in Milan or no, not in Milan. No. I, I was looking um I was looking at bars in um, Munich at the time. Um, I got a text from someone, and they were telling me about it. And you know, I I passed it on to people we work with. So I didn't really dive into it as much as I could. I'm I'm trying to do that in the next week or so. But yeah, Chalaba bit of a crossroads of him because he's, if you look at the pecking order of Chelsea centre-backs on paper, he's probably, you know, fourth or fifth, maybe, especially with Colwell coming back. So, I mean, it would make sense on a personal level for him to leave. But at the same time, I think Chelsea would love to keep him around as a squad option. But if you're going to be offered good money for him or alone with an obligation to buy, then it's going to be hard to turn it down, especially in a summer where, you know, Chelsea are trying to get rid of as much as possible to you know, meet financial fair play guidelines and whatnot. And yeah, I personally wouldn't like to see him go. I'd like to see him stay, but I would completely understand if he wanted to leave because, yeah, I mean, the, the return of Levi Colwell is uh, ominous for him, I think, because we know we know how much Chelsea rate Colwell and that's been shown by, you know, rejecting two big money bids from Brighton. So you, you'd like to think that Colwell will be almost a guaranteed starter with... Um, you know how highly the club rate them. Yeah, Carwell obviously not for sale, and then Thiago Silva in the final year of his deal. Wesley Fofana obviously just signed for big money last summer, though I think reports from Germany today that apparently Chelsea have offered him to Bayern Munich, which uh, not going anyone to be seem crazy, and I don't quite understand how much money they would have to offer him for to make that even worthwhile, but. One to keep an eye on, perhaps. But, yeah, I think Chalaba just seems the candidate at the moment who may be the easiest to sell. And five central defenders, maybe just one too many if Pochettino does move to a back four. I think, like you, I, I think it'd be a shame to see Chalaba leave, but maybe it just is the easiest deal to do if they don't want to, you know, have discontent in that back line um, in the next 12 months. But... That said, Thiago Silva, one year left on his contract, maybe could stay longer again. He, he is, you know, defeating father time somehow, year in, year out at the moment. But maybe just a bit premature to let go of a defender, do you think? Or do you think they need to to keep keep the squad harmony at its peak with no Champions League football or European football at all this season? I personally wouldn't. Looked like actively look to get rid of the centre back because, um, well, what, what let me just have a look at the squad. I think there's five at the moment, right? Um, yeah, of course, Buddy Shield's still coming back from injury. Yeah, as well. so you got, I'm just looking now, should have been more preparedness. Wesley Fafana, Buddy Shield, Shalaber, Kulo Bali, Thierry Silva, and of course, you got Aspi who can play centre back, but by all accounts, it's like he might be leaving as well. Um, I said Kulo Bali, I didn't mean to say him. Um, so yeah, they've also got rid of Kulabali. So you've got Fafana, Badia Shield, Chalaba, Silva and Colwell. So it's five. And I think five is a good number because like, you're always going to get injuries. You're rarely going to have all five of them fit. Um, Thiago Silva, as you said, he's 38 now. Don't want to be playing him every week. Don't want to be playing him. Even, even though there's no European football, you still probably don't want to be playing him every week because there will be midweek games still. So you'd like to, and also the fact that you don't really want to rely on a 38-year-old centre-back because it doesn't, you know, bode well for the future. 
when he keeps signing one-year deals and you're never really sure whether he'll be here next year or not. So, yeah, I, I'm looking at like the likes of Leeway Colwell, Wesley Fofana, and I'm thinking that could be, that has the potential to be Chelsea's back too, you know, for years to come. And then obviously you've got Baddy Ashir as well, who's, you know, been really good since signing in January. And you've got Trevor Chalaba, who's, you know, proven that he's a, he's a very solid option, whether that's at centre-back or right-back. Um, he's been really good for Chelsea and, you know, I think goes under the radar of how good he is sometimes. So, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't actively look for getting rid of a centre-back. And I think if you are to sell Chalaba, then perhaps you dive into the market and look for not necessarily like a big money transfer, but maybe like a, you know, a young centre-back, 18, 19, who has time to develop and isn't going to be rushed into the team. Or perhaps you look at someone like Bashir Humphreys, who was, of course, returned from um, loan in the summer. We don't quite know what's going on with him yet, whether he'll be sent out alone or not that season. Maybe maybe you look at him for a um, sort of fifth choice, but then it's probably not best for his development either. So it's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. But if I'm Pochettino or working at Chelsea, I don't. I wouldn't actively go out looking to sell, it, sell a centre-back because, like I said, there's five, but is there ever really five? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good point. And I think I think you might have said it before as well. It's probably been quite a good window for Chelsea so far. They have moved players away quite quickly and started to trim those numbers down. And time for Mauricio Pochettino starting work on Saturday, July 1st. I think the team is set to, to follow him into action a couple of days later. Uh, development squad already in a training camp in Portugal, I believe, in Faro. Um, if that's how you say it. I think Amanda Brogia spent some time there. So certainly things starting to ramp up to the new season. But, you know, just looking at the squad, I guess you could argue there's still a lot of players to be sold as well. Uh, I think as per the query you mentioned, another player linked to Inter Milan. Um, it'll be interesting to see where Ethan Padu's future lies. Obviously, he's coming back from loan. Uh, Malang Saar, he's recovering from injury at the minute but again a play you'd expect Chelsea to move on or maybe try and move to uh, Strasbourg after that uh, purchase by Bluco the company that owns Chelsea they obviously bought Strasbourg as the first move in terms of the multi-club model um, so that is a, a connection there there's obviously Mason Mount who could still depart uh, Connor Gallagher we were led to believe there was an expectation he could leave the club um do wonder, and I guess that maybe we'll, we'll stop off there. Midfield, the number of midfielders Chelsea are looking to offload. Um, maybe a possibility that Enzo Fernandez will be the, the last man standing. Uh, do you think it, it's worth maybe keeping Gallagher around for that reason? Um, how active are Chelsea in trying to land the likes of Moses Casado? Obviously, I think we've mentioned Lavia before, and I think uh, Vega's name is popping up again. Where do you see Pochettino trying to form a new midfield, I guess? Um, and, you know, who who could Enzo Fernandez have playing alongside him despite his ability to, you know, run the show by himself? Yeah. Um, yeah, he doesn't actually need anyone, but um, if you're going to make it fair, we'll give him a couple. So, yeah, obviously Moises Caicedo is Chelsea's, you know, number one target. He sort of has been since the whole Manuel Garte stuff, which... By the way, it seems absolutely ages ago now that Ugarte was linked with Chelsea. Uh, yeah, so 
it, it's been a bit quiet on the Caicedo front because I think just mostly because Chelsea have been focusing on, you know, their main focus this summer, which was to get rid of players. And now they've got a few, you know, under about five at the moment and, you know, quickly could become seven, as we mentioned earlier. I think we'll see more in terms of, you know, reports on Caicedo um, from ourselves or other journalists, other websites. Chelsea are meant to reopen talks with them later this week, I think, Brighton, um, about Caicedo. We, I heard the other day that um, personal terms have been agreed but not signed on, which, you know, is, is, is a big step, but I don't think that was ever the issue. You know, Chelsea fans won't we'll almost take out a pinch of salt because they know that the fee with Brighton is, is the big one because Brighton are, you know, tough negotiators and will try and get every possible penny out of a sale for one of their best players, rightly so. Um, Chelsea don't necessarily have an issue with paying the 80 million, but they don't want to pay all up front. So they'll be looking to do a deal, you know, similar to what they've done with Mikhailo Modric, Wesley Fofana, Enzo Fernandez, where they pay, you know, like a large sum up front and then the rest with add-ons or bonuses at a later date. And yeah, so it's one that you know, Chelsea are confident of getting done. And by all accounts, I think they will, but I, I do I don't think it will be one that, you know, will get done this month, next month. It might be one that drags into August, to be honest. It could be a um long saga and I'm sure it will be. And yeah, so obviously Caicedo would be the ideal one to go alongside Fernandez. I, I still think, especially if you do go along the selling Gallagher route, which by all accounts it looks like it might do, um, because plenty of clubs interested in him. And I don't, if they're offering good money, I don't really see a way you keep Gallagher because didn't really have a defined role in the squad last season. He was just, apart from under Lampard towards the end of last season, he didn't start many games, you know, consecutively or whatever. He just usually come on and just almost use his legs to just sort of run around and do a good job at, either protecting a lead or trying to get the ball back or whatever. So I think Gallagher probably would be one that could be sold and I don't think that would necessarily be too much of a bad thing for Chelsea. I definitely don't think he's as bad of a player as a lot of people make out. I think he's still a good player inside there. We just didn't necessarily see it last season. Um, but yeah, like I said, with Loftus-Cheek and Pulisic, I expect him, if he does move on, to go and play really well and you know be an established in England international elsewhere. Um. Yeah, Romeo Lavia is an interesting one because Chelsea have almost they they sort of got in contact with Southampton what a few weeks ago now about Lavia just you know testing the waters almost and were told his price or whatever and then nothing's really kicked on since then but it's definitely one to keep an eye on because you know Chelsea still really like him and it would be as well as Caicedo it's not an instead of if it did happen of course. And yeah, the, the Vega stuff's interesting. I haven't personally heard too much on it, but um, I saw you know some very respectable Chelsea journalists, reliable Chelsea journalists reporting that he might be one if Mason Mount leaves because he sort of maybe fits that, that sort of profile a bit more. Um, so yeah, that, definitely one to keep an eye on. And, you know, we didn't even mention like Chukumako, who we, we, we reported... Um, before the season ended, that you know Chelsea would be considering sending him out on loan next year to get to get more game time. So 
I, I think that's very much dependent on well, a couple of things, really. Obviously, Pochettino's going to be working with all these players in the next few weeks for the first time. So a lot of decisions could be made by him and, you know, relayed to the club and spoken about and discussed. So if he likes what he sees from Chukumeka and sees, you know, a clear role in his setup, then that loan could just be scrapped. And, you know, that'd be great because, we, uh, you know, as people who report on Chelsea and Chelsea fans um, out there would love to see a youngster like Chukumeka, you know, play really consistently in the team. So there, there, there are a lot of ifs and buts and maybes surrounding Chelsea midfield, but yeah, I do expect there to be a lot of um, movement between now and the end of August. Yeah, and I think one area on the pitch Chelsea have already strengthened this summer, and despite you know it being one everybody's been waiting for for a long time, I think it's almost been a little bit lost in the deluge of the, of the transfer window. Um, and I don't know, maybe if some of the videos for the, the players who have been sold have seemed a bit more hype-inspiring than than what the new arrival has been. But Christopher Nkungu, finally a Chelsea player and, you know, a brilliant sign and given Chelsea's season last year to and brilliant work to get that tied up over the course of the last 12 months. Yeah, great. He's really exciting, isn't he? Um, I've seen him play, you know, handful of times and I, I I've liked what I've seen every time whether that was in the in Europe for Leipzig or for France. I think he's looked really good. Um definitely an exciting one and definitely one that Chelsea, you know, have wanted for some time now and apparently they went to try and sign him last summer from Leipzig and Leipzig were like, no. Um and then they came up to a <laughs> they came to an agreement where uh he would sign this summer. That was back in last August, and then obviously we we saw in sort of November, December time it was all agreed, and he had his medical, and we were just waiting for that announcement for months, and that you know that put a lot of doubt in people's minds, but it was it was just a big old waiting game. So yeah, it's it's great to finally see it done, and um, I'm just super interested to see what sort of role he has. I I hope it's not one the Kai Havertz like, role. <laughs> yeah, I I hope it's not like Havertz. Um, I just want him to have. But obviously, he's a versatile player, and that's great. But I think a lot of the time with versatile players, it can play to their disadvantage because they can never cement down a spot. Whereas I hope Nkunku sort of gets his role, was told his role by Pochettino early on, and you know he's given a he's given a run of games there before you know changing him. I'm not saying he can't change in game and be fluid because that's of course that's great to have in any forward player. But I, I'd like to see him. Ideally, as a number nine, because I think he played a lot of his football there for Leipzig, and you know his goal record in Bundesliga is incredible. And I know we all see have flashbacks to Timo Werner. Um, a lot of people mention Bundesliga tax, but at the end of the day, there have been you know there have been strikers who have come from Bundesliga who have been exceptional in the Premier League. It's not they've not all turned pretty out good one last season, wasn't that pretty good one? Last yeah, exactly, season. exactly. And obviously, basically won them the treble. So. Um, yeah, not everyone's like Timo Werner, and I know Chelsea fans like to be very pessimistic. And you know, maybe maybe they have a reason to with some of uh, their recent transfer history. But I'm hoping for everyone's sake, Werner Kunku sort of hits the ground running. And yeah, I mean, roll on Liverpool on the opening day of the season. Yeah, and it will be interesting to see what kind of role he takes, whether it is leading the line or 
maybe in behind or off the wing because Chelsea, we've been led to believe, are still after a striker. Um, I guess most notably at the minute, Nicholas Jackson from Villarreal. They seem to have come to agreement with the Liga side for his transfer. His medical look to take place over the weekend. Again, it's went a little bit quiet. I think we're expecting, you know, sales to take place before the incoming, so maybe one to watch out for in the coming days. But uh, another young striker, maybe not quite the profile we expected when, you know, the early talks were of Victor Osman and and players like that. But seems another big talent scored nine goals in final eight games of the season, really thrived under Kike Setien after struggling a little bit under Unai Emery. I was speaking to somebody who follows Villarreal quite closely, and he seems to believe that the freedom he got from Setien was really big in terms of his development. He maybe struggled to, you know, get closer to the opposition net when he had strict instructions defensively uh, from Unai Emery earlier in the season. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits in with Pochettino's plans. So he will be expected to press, of course. And, you know, he, he did keep his place in, in the team under Emery. So he, he obviously does have some quality there, even when he's not scoring. But I guess on that point, there's been some debate whether... Jackson's arrival could see Chelsea go in for another striker. I know personally, I think it'd be really interesting where it leaves Amanda Brogier. Could he uh, have a more significant role if he, if he can impress Pochettino? What What do you make of the situation? Do you, Do you think it, it could be a good signing by Chelsea, or do you think they should have looked for somebody more established? I know that's obviously not went quite as well in the past when we saw Aubameyang arrive last summer. Yeah, well, exactly that. Um... You know, signing someone established doesn't necessarily guarantee goals. And <clears throat> I think without having watched Nicholas Jackson at all, really, um, to be perfectly honest with you, from what I've seen on of clips and from, you know, the um, bit you showed me from the Villarreal follower, he does, he does seem very exciting. He, he seems like someone who plays on the last man a lot, you know, as in like a very pacey number nine, somebody that's getting behind, probably a bit like Aubameyang in his prime, really. Um, so yeah, it, it it does kind of remind me, albeit a bit more expensive than the Datro for Fana signing um, in January. Sort of someone of a similar age, uh, similar profile, uh, probably someone for the future. But then, if you're signing him for thirty million, maybe he is someone who would go into the side. It, it is hard to say about whether Chelsea will go and spend you know big money on someone the profile of Osman or you know Jonathan David who's been linked people like that because again we don't we don't know what this plan is when Kunku um it might be one where we sort of get to more of a feeling after the first one or two preseason games where he's playing players etc how he's setting up um but you look at the likes of Dacho Fofano who I just mentioned it looks like he'll go on loan next season I think that probably will be the plan. I think that would be the sensible option because, you know, you got the likes when Kunku and Jackson coming in, he just falls even further down um, the Beckham order. Aubameyang will leave. Um, where he goes is a bit of a mystery at the moment. Um, but he'll leave. Obviously, Kai Havertz is gone. Interesting with Broja. Uh, obviously, still recovering from injury, but he's planning, you know, he, he's aiming to get back for sort of later stages of preseason for the start of the season. Um, but after such a serious layoff, it might take him, you know, months to even be sharp enough to um, get in a get in a squad. So it, it's difficult. 
and I don't, I'm curious to see how Broja recovers from it, whether he can you know, offer Pochettino something or whether Chelsea would look to send him out on loan. I think we did a show um, a few weeks ago now on players we keep or sell, and I think I said with Broja, I'd probably wait until January and assess the situation then. And I'd, I think that's still the case, um, just to see how he is, how he's recovered and what, what he can offer Pochettino. But I'd look at the January transfer window for him and if they want to loan him out or even you know, sell him if Pochettino doesn't see him in their plans at all, then I think that would be the wise move. But yeah, it's difficult to see whether Chelsea would sign anyone striker-wise. It's been quite quiet on that front, really. I mean, Nicholas Jackson sort of came from nowhere. I think Nizar Kinsella broke it. And that came from absolutely nowhere, really. And then, like, the name hadn't even been mentioned. And you think of the amount of names that have been linked with Chelsea over the past few windows, and Nicholas Jackson wasn't one of them. So... Yeah, it, it all happened very quickly. And yeah, I, I think it's a bit like what I said about Nkunku. We're just waiting for it to be announced now. It seems by all accounts it's done. Um, it's a bit more of a simple negotiation because he had that £30 million release clause. It wasn't necessarily one where Chelsea had to try and low, you know, um, get a lower price out of Villarreal. They were just happy to pay it, um, fend off competition from elsewhere. So, yeah, I, I'm quite excited by it because I think I'm always excited when I see, a, you know, a new striker I haven't seen play before. Um, one who sounds very, you know, an exciting player to watch. So, just be interesting to see what sort of role he has. Yeah, and I think, although I think Chelsea's business in the last 12 months, to some degree, has probably been criticised, they seem to have been all right around this £30 million mark. I think Badia Shield was probably around that much and, and Medueke as well, and they... You know, maybe haven't lit the world up yet, but they certainly seem to have promising signs. So hopefully Chelsea have got a bit of a niche in being what players in that bracket have not. Kulabali was thirty-four mil. So. <laughs> uh, that that was that was ages ago. Ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, one player we probably should touch on though, and we'll not go too much in depth because I believe you spent plenty of time speaking about them. Maybe yesterday with uh, Daniel Childs, go and check out that podcast. Um, from Wednesday, if you haven't done so already. But Mason Mount, is he going to be a Manchester United player soon? Are Chelsea going to, you know, keep him for another year? What, what, what is your expectation at the minute, Bobby? I think the expectation is he will be a Manchester United player. Um, I think they briefed Man United briefed journals the other day about. You know, United almost withdrawing from the race, and I didn't buy that for one second because of how much groundwork they had put in and sort of how close they were to meeting Chelsea's demands. Almost, I, I always thought they'd come back in, or not even come back in. Just you know, their interest has always been there. That, but they're supposed to be having face to face talks, which you know seems a seems a bit of a mad thing to say because you just assumed all talks would be like that. But I guess they did it. Um, via the internet or whatever but this week and yeah I, I think the next few days we'll probably see it'll be big in this I think I think a lot of people like me probably like you just want this to be over one way or another um, Chelsea fans have sort of switched off from it now almost they, they don't like it when people report on it because at the moment it's a lot of the same thing but worded differently but the facts are Mount hasn't been offered 
a new deal since February. Chelsea and Mount aren't close to, you know, they're not, talks aren't going well. Mount wants Man United, Man United want Mount. They're not, Man United and Chelsea aren't too bad to, aren't too far off in their, um, in the fee. So, yeah, I mean, I think you'd have to say, if you'd have to predict Mount would be a Manchester United player um, sooner rather than later, really. It'll be interesting to see if he even gets any time under Pochettino at all or if the deal's done before that. So, yeah, it, it's a shame because we spoke endlessly on this show about how much we rate Mason Mount and what shame it would be to see, you know, another player going to a Premier League rival that's free um, just this summer. And, yeah, it's a shame. But I think there's just so much baggage now between Mount and Chelsea that it sort of has to happen. But if it doesn't happen, I mean, I can't see it personally, but if it doesn't happen, then I have no doubts about Mount, you know, applying himself and straining into matches, acting as a professional. Don't know. We don't know Mason personally, but from what you hear from managers he's worked under, they, everyone always praises his work ethic and attitude. So I can't, I can't imagine that would be an issue, um, as we have seen with some players in the past. At various clubs um, who haven't got a move, they've you know kicked up a fuss through their toys out of them or whatever. Don't think that would be the case with Mount. I think he respects Chelsea too much, even if the relationship has been fractured recently. Um, the fans, you know, it, he's been at the club for so long now. But yeah, I, I think Mason Mount will be a Manchester United player in you know in the next few weeks probably. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that Mount would apply himself in pre-season, but I think. For the benefit of Chelsea and Mauricio Pochettino, you do hope it's resolved either way before then, purely just because, you know, regardless of everybody's best intentions, it will become a distraction. Right? The, the volume of questions around Mason Mount's future over the last 12 months, when he still had another year left on his deal um, in press conferences, was, was, you know, gargantuan, I'd say. I don't think that's going to slow down when, you know, there's chances of a move to Manchester United, even if things go quiet or you know people are said to have backed away i think that would then dominate pre-season headlines and you know even going into the new season it would become a big talking point of whether pochettino can convince mount to stay if he wants them to stay and i think to have some kind of resolution earlier would be better um regardless of staying or going because I think these first few weeks of Pochettino are going to be vitally important in terms of, you know, forming a camaraderie in the team. We mentioned a lot of players have already gone. You know, I think Kovacic has had the captaincy armband. We maybe expect that's about the quarter to go, who's captain. Um, Mount has probably had the captain's armband on before. Jorginho um, left in January. He's been another leader of recent years. This is a team that Pochettino is going to have to mould from the ground up, I think, and as I just kind of said, the first couple of weeks are going to be really important for that. So you want to avoid any distraction. You want to have your leaders in the dressing room to a certain extent. And yeah, I get, I guess just going on from that point, what, what are you expecting from a potch in these early time at the club? And what do you think the big, big challenges are before they head off on preseason tour in about two or three weeks time? I think just as simple as it sounds, but identifying the squad that he wants for, you know, the early games of the season for, for the season. Um, the players, he needs players who, he needs to know what players want to be there and what players don't want to be there. 
what players he sees have sees having a future, um, sees going on loan. So you got like the likes of, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Amari Hutchinson, Bashir Humphreys, Lewis Hall, all um, played in the first team last season and did well. Uh, Lewis Hall especially, and you, you want to know what sort of plans he would have for them. Whether he, he sees sees them as you know backup options or players who can challenge for the first team because. You look at Lewis Hall towards the end of last season, and we were talking about him possibly challenging Ben Chilwell because that's how, you know, that's the level we rose it to. Um, so yeah, that that's important, and obviously you got the likes of the senior players like Conor Gallagher. We spoke about what does he see? What does he see? What role does he see him having? Um, Kepa Riza Balaga, you know, Chelsea are after a goalkeeper, um, so. If if they did if that did happen, then would Kepa necessarily want to stay around um, to be number two again after you know working hard to get himself back as number one? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And then obviously you've got you know it's going to be a lot of work on shape, setup, just the basic things that Pochettino wants from wants from his sides. It's it's going to be a lot of introductions. You know Pochettino's got a big backroom um, team behind him, so there's going to be a lot of introducing each other and yeah it's just it's just general things like just just so that they can you know have a have an exciting few weeks for the um before the real stuff starts in august yeah and it's certainly going to be an interesting time um both short term and long term for chelsea plenty of business still to be done and probably plenty to look out for in maybe the next hours and days with regards to the likes of Hakim Ziyech and Ruben Loftus-Cheek in particular and maybe a Nicholas Jackson too. Um, so we will wrap things up there. Um, thank you for joining us once again. You can check out Bobby and I's work on the Football Dublin website. There'll be plenty more coming out over the full course of the summer and beyond. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening and yeah, give us a lovely review. Um, That would be much appreciated and help us grow the podcast. So yeah, until next time, uh, see you there.